This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler I, I got rumors that there was a trailer that played last night that was released for some movie. I, I'm not sure at all. Rumor has it. <laughs> Star Wars trailer. Hello, folks. We are talking in here, the spoiler room, a very intimate and close-knit group as we're going to discuss Crimson Peak. And we're also going to probably hear, uh, discuss a little bit, if uh, everybody here has watched it, uh, the latest and quote-unquote-unquote unquote, final, quote-unquote final trailer, yeah, right, for Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Uh, so we're going to talk about that first because uh, I, I just want to touch on that because of the hype and the pre-ticket sales are insane. So, uh, Glenn, have you watched the trailer? Yep. And what did you think of this quote-unquote, yes, this is the final, probably not the final trailer? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a trailer. Yeah. It's Star Wars. I, eh. You know, I, I know people are, I, I, I'm seeing all my friends online who are like, oh, it punched me right in the feels, and I'm like, with what? <laughs> with what? <laughs> what? The, the, the part where Han hugs Leia? I mean, it, I mean, I'm still excited to see the movie, but the trailer didn't like make me go like, oh my god, I have to see this. I had I had a better reaction to the Hateful Eight trailer I watched this afternoon. Oh uh, god, for, yes. For Crimson Peak. So <laughs> that trailer is that I I I want to find a place here in Wisconsin doing the seventy millimeter showing and I want to watch it on seventy millimeter. <laughs> but Paul, what about you and your reaction to the trailer? Truthfully, uh, I was really jonesed about the original teaser trailer more than any of the trailers that followed, including this one. Although there are two things I did like about this trailer. The first is it did kind of set a tone for me, so I was kind of, oh, kind of expecting more story-based, more character-based story, which I thought was kind of good. And the second thing that I really liked was the uh, the music cues because it, it, it had that hint of the original and it, and it did sound just a little bit different. Uh, and that's what I really liked about the trailer. But otherwise, the trailer itself doesn't really make me want to go out and watch the movie, even though I did get the tickets. The first teaser trailer is still the thing that I really loved. When that first teaser trailer came out, for me too, that was it. I was mm -hmm. like, that's all I need right there. <laughs> You, you, you got Luke voiceover, you show little clips, you got the Falcon, you got Han and Chewie in their, their initial pose. I'm like, okay, you got my tickets. I don't need to see anything else. This whole hype and culture that we are in where everybody needs to find out everything about the film is so frustrating. And then this, you know, one thing that surprised me about this trailer was the fact it didn't actually give away as much as I thought it was going to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It, 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 I looked at it going, I do not feel like this actually gave away much anything. of anything, right. which was a good thing. I'm not complaining. That's, that's a positive. I was very concerned at the fact that another trailer was coming out, the quote-unquote final trailer, which people, if you believe that, you have <laughs> not been paying attention. Mm -hmm. well, I saw this is the final trailer before the next trailer. Yeah, right, exactly. 
exactly. It's like the Kiss tour. <laughs> you know, you know, you're gonna get one around Thanksgiving. You know, and and then there's gonna be featurettes, and there's gonna be exclusive bits, and there's gonna be, yeah. I mean, well, I saw I saw this uh, graphic online that had the the scene where uh, Leia's uh, hugging uh, Han Solo. Yep. And uh, above it, it said it's it, they've already had three trailers, and I still don't know what the movie is about. Yeah, I posted that. I posted that meme on my. Uh, it, it was Facebook great. because that was that, and and that's fine with me. I'm good, you know. And I'm sitting there, JJ. If you're listening right now, no more trailers, no more nothing. I don't need to see another freaking still. I mean, you already have six point seven million dollars in ticket sales, and the film is three months away, <laughs> two months away. You know, two months away. You've already got. Six mil in the bank for this thing, uh, you, you know. You don't need to show anything else. You're, you're gonna get you're gonna get butts in the seat for a whole month of December, and, and I don't need to see anything else. I don't want to see anything else because I don't want it ruined. I, I, you know, I got my fill, and I think I think you guys are in agreement with that. We're that's you know, I, I was gonna go see it. You had me, you had me at the first Lucas, you know. The 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 whole with the first teaser trailer that yep. the, the first shot with a destroyed star destroyer uh, buried in the sand. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> you get the music cue like you said. You get the Jedi theme. Okay, I'm I'm there. You know. So, but that's I just wanted to touch on it. I'm the same way. It was a subtle trailer, uh, which I was happy about. It, it gives a little bit more, but not a lot. Um, I like the idea that they're playing, it seems like they're playing around with the Jedi's being really a mythological people, Mm -hmm. which is good and makes sense for the title, because I was trying to figure out how is the Force Awakened, you know. That part actually bugs me. Oh, does it? (laughs) Why is that? Because the Jedi have only been gone like 40 years. (laughs) This, this This is like us going, man... Watergate, that mythological thing that happened. <laughs> Vietnam, you know, the mythology of American soldiers fighting in Asia. Oh, I mean, it's been like 40 years. Well, the only thing you could maybe play off of that is the fact that not everybody realized Luke was a Jedi, you know. No, I'm, I'm but... <laughs> talking before Luke. Oh, yeah. Luke, Luke is the son of a Jedi. Yes. When the Jedi, he was born when the Jedi Knights were still in existence. Yes. And were like a force known throughout the entire galaxy, but apparently everyone completely for like Jedi. Well, is that, is that's that, just a fairy tale. Really? Really? It was the order. Grandpa, Grandpa knew 11 of them. He went to <laughs> he went to high school with a bunch of them. What are you talking about mythology? Well, it was Order 66 that they, not only did they wipe the Jedi, but they wiped all the historical records of the Jedi. So there you go. And and everybody's mind, apparently. Well, the Emperor was pretty powerful, so you never uh, know. Yeah, if he's that powerful, then... then they showed he, a lot of reality why TV. Why did they need to bring back Vader? They they showed a lot of reality TV at that time, which lowered everybody's IQ and made them forget about <laughs> Jedi. Idiocracy. <laughs> Idiocracy, yeah. No, you, I, I like the idea that they're doing the mythology, but I do see your point as well, Glenn. It, it's only been supposedly 40 years, so 
people forgot about him that quickly. Um, but the only thing I can think of is if these these characters are from a backwater planet, maybe they hadn't heard, you know, maybe that the Jedi were around more. What? You know. Luke was from a backwater planet. He knew about the Jedi. <laughs> so actually, I mean, Luke still knew about. I mean, people still knew about him twenty years ago when uh, Luke was, you know, like eighteen. Well, now he's like fifty. So twenty-five years ago. So, eh. <laughs> he's still gonna go see it. So. Well, of course, I'm still gonna go see it. But <laughs> this whole, you know, like oh, you know, these. Well, like. In in the original uh, Star Wars with, you know, ancient religions, I'm like, ain't... Now, okay, yeah, maybe it's old, but, I mean, it, could, could you imagine anyone referring to Christianity or, or Judaism or Islam as an ancient religion unless they're talking about actual, like, history? I mean, if someone, like, walked up and said, hey, you know, want to go to church today? I don't believe those ancient religions. I mean... <laughs> This is true. Somebody came this up to me today and said that like '80s music was oldies, and I was like, "Oh, come on!" I was going to say you do get people that you know. I I was in a podcast and I mentioned I remember the time I watched Empire Strikes Back in the theater, and there was this collective gasp among <laughs> the twenty somethings, the the young twenty somethings in the group, and they're like. What was that like? Like suddenly I became the old sage on the mountain. And it was like, what was it like to see Empire in the theaters? You got to actually see real Jedi. Well the heavens around. The heavens opened up and it was projected from God. Whereas I tell people, I said, So have you been to a movie theater? It was like that with work sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it's not <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the, the trailer. I'm like, that's great. It looks good. It, I, I was already gonna go see it, so you know, I I don't want to look at anything else. But internet exploded all over the place. Star Wars bukkake everywhere. Um, <laughs> there's even the boycott already. And there's the boycott already, which. <laughs> I mean, out of the boycotts in the world, there's got to be the most ridiculous boycott I've what? seen. In, even it for makes the perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, because the universe is mostly made up of white guys. No. Um, dude, this has, been, this has been going on since the first one. I mean, look at the first movie. Stormtroopers are all white. White, There's yep. a guy in a black shirt who keeps killing them. It's obviously the, uh, a message to the black man to overthrow the oppressive white man, even well, though, of course, the black man is actually the one who's in charge of all the white men. I was going to say that. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It was prophetic of Obama. Obama's taking an army of white people to kill themselves. Oh my gosh! This and the star destroy and, and the Death Star is actually his global warming message, right? Mm. <sighs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first in the spoiler room, folks. That's right. Back in '77, <laughs> Lucas was being prophetic and talking about how. <laughs> Yeah, I can't even I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> you know, I saw that boycott and it's ridiculous, and I was just like, okay, whatever, guys. You know what? I'm like, you're you're even worse. I mean, you guys have got the the men who were complaining about Furiosa going, man, those dudes got problems. <laughs> 
you got the Furiosa boycotters going, no, nah, man, those guys are crazy. What the hell are you talking about Star Wars white genocide? Like, oh. God, if anything, you know, look at it. The first one, the white guys had the biggest gun. So, <laughs> oh, and they all came from Britain. You know, yes. all the bad guys came from Britain in the Empire, apparently. They're all British. So, yeah. Anyway, Star Wars, Force Awakens, everybody's going to go see it. Tickets are already sold. It's in the bank. And special edition will come out soon. And special edition of Force Awakens will be released the day before the original edition of Force Awakens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just getting a jump on that, so just letting you folks know now. Oh, great, now I mentioned it, now it's going to happen, right? Someone's gonna Exactly, yeah. you gave them the idea. Oh, great, some post is going to go somewhere, it's going to go viral. Maybe we'll get some viewers on our episode here while we talk about Crimson Tide, you're not Tide, Peak. <laughs> not Tide, that's a completely different movie. That's about a submarine. And that's Denzel Washington versus uh, Gene Hackman. Uh, no, not Crimson Tide, Crimson Peak. <laughs> <laughs> the period piece that was promoted as a horror film. It's from director Guillermo del Toro. And uh, anybody here want to try to summarize this film? <clears throat> Paul? Uh, or... Sure. Oh, you want to go, go ahead, Paul. Be my guest. All right. Um, well, I, basically the story focuses around a character named Edith Cushing, uh, who's kind of an aspiring writer who can see ghosts. Uh, and she meets up and eventually marries a man by the name of uh, Thomas Sharp, who's a baronet from uh, Cumberland, England. Uh, you find out that Sharp and uh, his sister, uh, Lucille, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, is basically in America looking for funding so that uh, they can build this basically clay digger that Thomas uh, invented. And uh, then as, as basically when they're married, uh, um, Edith goes to Thomas to the house that he grew up in, and you find out all sorts of secrets that uh, her, her new husband and sister-in-law have been hiding uh, throughout their, basically, lives. Well put. I will also say that while you gave that description, I had about four different titles of songs play through my head while you told me that, <laughs> including Lucille. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, yes. to be true. Yeah. <laughs> Crimson Peak, Glenn, totally misrepresented uh, in the trailers, <laughs> would you say? I didn't watch a single trailer. Oh, well, then there you go. That is good. That is very good because, uh, yeah. <laughs> Paul, what about you? Would you say misrepresented? In the very, trailer. very much so. They were trying to capitalize on the whole Halloween theme. Oh, this is a ghost story, and they made everything really more scarier than the movie itself was. Uh, but it doesn't destroy the fact that it's halfway decent movie still. Yes, uh, and that's why I was going to say, Glenn, if you hadn't seen the trailers, what was your impressions when you got done with it? Because you literally just saw it today. So. Um, it was very pretty. <laughs> yes, um, it was. The acting was very good, and it was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but that story—it was so goddamn predictable. Uh huh. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but holy crap, was that predictable? Sure. 
um, I just I, I wasn't I wasn't like you know wondering like I mean the second they showed up looking for money I'm like oh <laughs> this has got to be a scam I mean there was there was maybe like a five minute period where I wasn't certain Lucille was his sister mm. just in the very beginning sure where I'm thinking oh yeah that's you know especially when he investigates I'm like oh they're gonna be married yep. but I'm like okay no they're they're brother and sister and he's they've just been working on this big scam this whole time of marrying multiple women and then she poisons them and I mean I knew she was the one who killed the mother she was obviously in control I, I knew that she was in control of uh, um, Hiddleston right I, I picked that up right away and then the whole thing of the here here's some tea I'm like oh god that's fucking poison <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, Paul, what about you? Your impressions with it when the lights came up? Same, same exact thing. I, I very much. Uh, it was a very predictable movie, but uh, I actually enjoyed it for that predictability. Uh, there were too many movies I think I've seen lately that have tried to do that little twist ending to surprise you, and and try to like dazzle everybody with the kind of BS that you don't really need. I just wanted to sit in here, and, and it felt like to me, like watching like the the movie child of Jane Austen and Edgar Allan Poe. Um, <laughs> that's what I really enjoyed about it. It was very predictable to me, but I felt comfortable uh, through the story. It, for me, it, you know, I, I didn't come out of the film hating it. I will say, yeah, it, it was predictable. Uh, I, I always love Del Toro's visuals. And I'm a as people you've listened to this, if you've listened to any episodes or my reviews, you know I'm a big visual guy. So I completely dug the visuals and the period and the fact they made it a period piece. Um, mm-hmm. You know I loved that house. You know that that, that house was, was looked great though. It almost looked like the same set from uh, the Woman in Black too. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, you know, I dug the visuals and the performances, actors, everybody really giving their all and and putting it in their great performances there. Nobody, yeah, but the story was a, a rather standard, basic story. What I will say, and and tell me if I'm wrong, but did this didn't this have a, a very European foreign film flair to it though this did not even though it was predictable the way it was directed and handled to me it felt did not feel like a film from US Hollywood would you say Paul that it it, it felt european the way the pacing was and the execution and everything definitely it felt like an old kind of uh, homage to hammer films to me uh, including the pans some of the pans were kind of like Oh, that's kind of an old school look, uh, but the story and the pacing was very much uh, reminiscent of that style. If they hadn't had that sex scene, I probably would have thought it was European. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right about the pans. That noticed right away. I mean, we had the iris fade to black to the little circle and then open again. Glenn, mm-hmm. what did you think about the style of the way this was shot? Was it? Did it feel a little more Hammer horror Europeanish? It, it felt very 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with uh, you know the some of the some of the cuts they did with the whole I, I I don't know the technical term where it like you know narrows down into the little circle for the for the fades. Yeah, yeah. The I, I think it's iris or whatever. Iris, yeah. I, yeah. That's it. Um, and it it felt very old school in that way, which I think fit with 
fit with the idea of what they were trying to do, but I don't think it worked because of the fact that, as beautiful as it was, it nothing about it screamed old movie to me. Because, <laughs> yeah. because everything is so crisp and clear and bright. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, a problem I have with, with a lot of modern films, is when, when they want to set something that is supposed to be, you know, more gothic or darker or just, you know, dirty, but everything's still too clean. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mansion is, is I, I loved it, but part of me is like, it's still too clean. For a place that has a giant <laughs> hole in the roof, it has moths <laughs> everywhere, it's still very crisp and sharp and put together. I think that sharpness, though, adds to the coldness of the behind it. I actually felt more more in tune with that because because it was so crisp. I, I do get what you're saying, Glenn, and actually I've had this discussion with other folks as well, with us being in the digital age and such. You do miss the film grain. <laughs> you miss the, the dirtier print. You miss that, that kind of aged feel to it, or at least that little bit dirtier look. And I, I will say, yeah, that the castle, everything popped a little too much for it, and you kind of wanted for what they're going for with that house, you almost kind of want the details a little bit more blurred. You you, you want it a little bit more dusty, a little bit more not defined, rather than sharp images that I can count the hairs on the back of that moth. <laughs> you know, uh, but, I mean, he was still doing it in the style. It is very obvious he was going for that hammer horror type of style with the wipes and such that he was doing. And, you know, and we don't get many films like this. This is not a horror film, though, folks. As we, we mentioned before in the beginning here with the promotion of this film, this, this is, wouldn't you guys say, this is not a horror film. No, it's, it's like a thriller more. It, it, barely a thrill. It's just, I think Tom Hiddleston said it in an interview that it was a, a gothic romance, which it is. I mean, it's got a couple... Sure. You're totally. It's totally a gothic romance. It's it's a it's a romance that happens to have ghosts in it. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, a the, dark dark romance. Yeah, gothic romance. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like the murder the the setup for that. You know, the whole this this family has got these dark secrets and and so forth and and yeah the 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 supernatural aspect of the of the ghosts wandering around and kind of leading the main character around was was interesting, but they could have done that without without having the ghosts too. So yeah, yeah, and uh, Mia Wasikowski, uh, Kowska, excuse me, plays the uh, the lady who is wooed by Tom Hiddleston. Go figure, a woman wooed by Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> uh, never saw that coming. Um, uh, and yeah, her character sees ghosts, and it almost felt like a, almost a little mini movie within the movie. Her whole being able to see ghosts, because I'm like. It kind of played into the plot, but it took a while to get there to see where they were going with her ability of the ghosts. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say, Glenn, that it, it took a while before you actually saw? Okay, you know, you could barely understand the warning the ghost gave her anyway. Actually, uh, if there's if there's one scene I would like to remove from this film, mm-hmm. it's that warning from her mother, ghost. Mm-hmm. It felt. Corny. I mean, I love the look of the ghost, but the voice it just felt cheesy to me. Well, and the, the effects for that shot too didn't feel clean either. It felt 
kind of cheap. Yeah. <laughs> come on, I mean, Paul, come on. You, you've seen enough low-budget CGI films. That ghost in the first scene where she reaches through the door and that, even for a, a lower-budget widescreen film, that <laughs> effect looked a bit cheap. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. You know, and I... I understand he, and that's this is where he was trying to blend kind of newer. It, it felt like he was trying. I'm not speaking for him. I I don't know for sure, but from what it, just watching the movie, it felt like he was trying to bring in modern elements to help try to tell a classical, a, a more classic horror tale. But unfortunately, it it came off. You're right, Glenn. Came off cheesy, especially that first one. I mean, it looked a little later, actually. I, I wonder if you guys caught it too. Best creepy scene out of this whole movie, and it's the only creepy scene they really could have just left in, was when she goes down and just before she discovers the box with the photos, that scene with the door cracked open and just the creepiest freaking evil-looking face peeking out from behind the door before <laughs> it slams. Did you catch that at all? Yeah. Yep. Wouldn't you say that... I that was that is the one scene that really creeped the shit out of me because of the the way the creature looked. I'm like, whoa, okay, that was creepy. <laughs> I I actually have the the a, a, a similar scene, but it's it's slightly different. Is with with the doorknob shaking. Yeah, that that freaked me out uh, because it drew me back to when I was a kid and and we I uh, used to think that we lived in a kind of a haunted house. Oh, and sure. we always envisioned or we always had these like dreams where the doors would slam on us mm-hmm. and and that just instantly brought me back to that that uh moment in my life and and that just having the doorknob shake to me was more scarier than seeing any of the uh the creatures themselves so the ghosts and what did you think of the ghosts uh Glenn what did you think of that the ghost design that they came up with for it uh did any of them were seem creepy and signature del Toro at all? Um I think del Toro's uh sprayed all over this thing. I mean that's <laughs> um, um but like I, 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 I I did like the ghost design. I uh-huh. liked the whole the like the, the, the wispy stuff coming off of where how they were killed. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the blood oozing out, you know, like their spirit kind of leeching away or whatever. Um I, I like the look of them quite a bit. Um that said, um, I don't know. I I I, I think I preferred uh, the at the end with uh, Hiddleston's ghost. Mm-hmm. I preferred that look to the others, where it's you know it's these all the everyone else is made to be like super gruesome. And mm-hmm. if 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 you because if you look at the comparison, I mean these other women were poisoned, right? And but their ghosts are all like these, you know, bloodied corpses kind of thing. I mean, I, I suppose that's probably that they were put down in the mine in the clay, mm-hmm. the red clay. But, I mean, they just, their look looks like they met much more brutal ends. Yeah. I mean, the mother in the tub, I think, was perfect. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. she had a giant freaking cleaver to her skull. <laughs> so she should look all, all like that. But, you know, it's like Hiddleston, he's dead, and he's just like, just kind of pale with sunken eyes and that little poke hole in his cheek oozing out stuff. But all these other women who were poisoned, they're like, you know, just like horrifically ghoulish, mm-hmm. which I didn't quite, it, it didn't seem to fit to what, me. 
Right, didn't seem quite consistent with the other ghosts. Well, it didn't seem consistent with, with the idea of, of a gothic mm-hmm. horror romance type thing. It, it seemed too uh, too modern ghosty, I guess. Too Evil Dead-like for, for, a, for a gothic movie. They were too beastly versus the mom and Hiddleston's ghosts, which seemed to fit more of a gothic-type romance to where... They they aren't quite so ghoulish, is what you're yeah. saying, right? Yeah, I can see that. What about you, Paul, with the design? Uh, would you say that the Hiddleston and the mom were probably more what you would expect from a, a gothic tale yes. like this? Yes, most and, definitely. And those ghoulish ones felt like they were ghosts from a different movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think part of that to me was I, I, I took it as... as the the clay uh, the clay leached mm-hmm. into them, which is why they had more of that red look mm-hmm. to them, and the, to me it's it's because the the clay was kind of a symbolism of of like decay, uh, throughout the entire movie because even even at the beginning or there was a beginning part of the scene where where he was touching the floorboard and it just kind of oozed out, and, yeah, and to me that was just okay more symbolism, uh, and then to see the the basically all the the ghoulish ghosts uh the, I took it as being that they turned into that because they were so close to the clay that they were put into uh and that's that was reflective of them their their spirits were not free like mm-hmm. uh Hiddleston's was or or the mother was even though she she died she was still set kind of free because she didn't have to deal with all the problems that she was having, whereas the other ones were trapped. So, yeah, so the ghosts, you know, you've got a mixed design of ghosts, and uh, you guys make some very valid points with them. Uh, and then we get to the characters here, as I mentioned before, some really interesting uh, characters. I will say that one that I don't think a lot of people are talking about but should should be the Jessica Chastain's performance as Lucille. Uh, compared to some of the roles that she's taken up until now, would you say this is kind of a unique role for her, Paul, to be in? I mean, because she's not exactly recognizable in this. That's true. Uh, but I thought she did a fantastic job mm-hmm. with this, and, and this is probably going to be one of those ones that she'll want to keep in her resume and you know, kind of say, hey, I did this. You see what I can do. And hopefully yeah. she'll get better roles from that. Uh, hopefully, Glenn. What about you with Jessica Chastain as as the sister? I, I uh, what do you think of her performance in here, considering it's Jessica Chastain? <laughs> um, I never considered her to be like an awful actor. Right. Well, no, um, I I wasn't saying that, but just the type of role that Lucille oh, well, is, you know, versus. I, well, I I think she I think this is her best acting job to date. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was fantastic in the role. Um, I mean, not just not just from the way she delivered the dialogue, but just the looks that she would just give, you know, that a slight grin or a nod or just, you know, a flash of her eyes. It was, uh, I think she she's probably the, I'd say she's the standout of the film. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not to say that Hiddleston or um, Mia, Mia did, did poorly. I think they both did great, but I, I think... Uh, Chastain really, really shown in this one. Uh, well, and, and you know what you make mention of, it, and, and it stuck to me is no, no offense at all to Mia or Tom. They are they are really good performers, but Jessica 
out of the three main characters, those three main characters felt the most like she was actually playing a character. Mm. Like, like she was actually trying to, you know, be this person. Because in all honesty, even, you know, Tom Hiddleston's sharp felt like a neutered uh, Loki. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, in that sense of it's Tom Hiddleston in a right. role. Mm. You know, even Mia, you know, you look at her, it's Mia playing Edith. Jessica was Lucille. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, am, am I making my am, am clear of what I'm trying to go for, Glenn? Yeah. Is, 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 is that makes sense to where Tom and Mia are playing characters and Jessica really felt like she was the only one out of the three being someone else? Um, um I suppose to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as as much as I I, I like Hiddleston as an actor, um, he's he tends to play a lot of the same types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's always, you know, there's always a bit of gentlemanliness to him, no matter what role he's in. I mean, even as Loki, there is that you know that uh, you know arist- aristocratic kind of feel to him in almost mm-hmm. everything he does. So I think it's just what I'm used to seeing from him. Sure. Um, yeah, I, she was fine. But, yeah, I, 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 I bought uh, Chastain as Lucille. Right. And and so then they uh, get to this castle that's got the big hole in the ceiling, which was a trip. I'm like, wow, you're, really, you're still staying there, huh? Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'd, I'd go back going, no, I'm going to go to the Ramada. Or that, you know, or that barn, you know. Uh, but with this story that they had between the brother and sister, you're talking about predictability. I was actually hoping they wouldn't go where they did. And did we need the hand job scene, Paul? Did we did we really need that to cement the idea that these two were brother sisterly love? No, not really. <laughs> but I think you needed something to make uh, the Edith character over, uh, basically, go over the edge, and I, you know. But did it have to be a hand job, Glenn? Did it? Did it? Couldn't they have approached that? I mean, you you shot some films. You you know the storytelling. Couldn't they've done that in a more? Because most of this film is kind of subtle in a way until there. Uh, <laughs> Could they have done it differently? Just have them in bed sleeping together or something? That's what, that's what I feel they should have done. Is just had them in bed together. Or kissing. Or kissing. Or yeah, just you, you could just be kissing. She just in, steals in a way a, that brother and sister don't kiss. Right. She steals a passionate, little bit more deep embrace kiss up in the attic, and she runs across them. And that's considering this is Victorian times. That would be more than enough for her to to go, you know, over the edge. You don't need that imagery of uh, of her hand <laughs> in the most awkward. I'm like sitting here going, "What did they pose for that just to expect her to come up?" Because I'm looking at it going, "That seems awkward for what they were trying to do." That was really awkward <laughs> and and out of place because it was a lack of better term vulgar. Mm. versus the rest of the film, which was trying, it felt like it was trying to go more for not so, you know, 
you wouldn't have seen a hand job in Hammer Horror. <laughs> hammer hand jobs. W- w- wouldn't you say, gentlemen, you would not see that in a Hammer Horror film? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but and it wasn't needed because it was already implied up to that point. It, it was really you could tell they were a lot closer than they were supposed to be. Um, and so, yeah, so that was one scene that, that bugged me. That's the only scene that really bugged me out of this whole film. Really? Um, I mean, outside of the bad the CGI in the beginning, but I mean, as far as what seemed out of place, hmm. uh, what about you, Paul? Was there a specific scene outside of like the handjob scene that seemed a little bit for what he was going for? Cause you get the gist of what type of film he's making a scene that kind of felt out of place for you at all, or maybe, you know... Not a, not a single scene, but uh, mm-hmm. the one thing that really kind of irritated me was that you with Edith, uh, from the beginning to the end, her her transformation didn't quite feel right to me, because she mm-hmm. started out as this kind of very independent, strong woman, I'm going to be a writer, and as soon as she marries um, uh, Thomas, she just sort of imploded. <laughs> she she suddenly got neutered. <laughs> yeah. And, and then and then she didn't quite ever recover from that point on and it was like okay, I was expecting her to like become that person again and it, she just never did. And that so it wasn't a single scene but the entire the her arc. entire arc. Yeah. What about you Glenn? Did that bug you too that she actually started off strong and then suddenly went back to traditional? I didn't <sighs> I didn't buy so much that she was really strong. I mean, she had a bit of an independent streak, but I think she was just different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it isn't fully explored the relationship she had with her father and how much his loss hurt her. Right. Is, which is why I think she would have been more subdued, but they didn't really explore that enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they went too fast for the... Uh, well, that's my daughter. She's stubborn. Oh, my head's broken open. I'm dead. <laughs> you know, um, and I like Jim Beaver as an actor. I, I like him a lot. Um, Idiot. <laughs> in uh, in Tombstone and in Supernatural. Oh yeah. So not not Tombstone. I mean uh, Deadwood. Deadwood, yeah. So um, I think they could have explored. You know, maybe maybe done a little bit more to to show that, mm-hmm. which would then have, I guess explain more of her her. Subdued nature uh, later on when she when she you know sure because I mean aside from her father there was yeah there's a little bit with the doctor hmm. but I mean there's no one else in that town that seemed to give two shits about her <laughs> <laughs> where you know back back in Buffalo so yeah. they're like nothing else holding her there yeah that that is true and uh, it, it was and she she started out stronger than she finished and. Yeah, it would have been nice to see a little bit more exploration with the father. You know, there they tried to imply, I think, you know, leave it up a little bit too much for you to figure out with her relationship, whereas the relationship between the brother and sister, they put it right out there for you, um, literally. And uh, and Tor- Torchwood fans will be happy to see Burn Gorman is still getting work. Uh, so it was fun to see him on screen. So uh, Crimson Peak, you know... It was a film that I think had a lot of promise the way it was marketed, but it was marketed incorrectly. And so a lot of people are going into this film expecting one thing and getting another. And uh, I want to just, we'll wrap it up here because the film really isn't that deep of a film. (laughs) Uh, 
you know, at all, uh, if there's something you want to talk about uh, at all, Paul or Glenn, about the film, but uh, I think we covered basically it. I mean, it, it's there. It's it's not a, a horrible film, mm-hmm. but I, I do think it's a film that gave you misdirection, and just be- just because it has ghosts does not mean it has, you know, it's a horror film. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn, what about you? Why don't you give your final thought on... on on this Crimson Peak and, and, you know, would you recommend it and, and just your final kind of feeling with Guillermo's gothic romance horror? Um, I would recommend it solely for the visuals. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, Guillermo del Toro uh, always delivers very stylistically beautiful movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the acting. I, I, I think the acting is superb. Um, my issues are mainly with the story, um, and I think looking at some of uh, Guillermo's other horror stuff he did, this felt like uh, a step back mm-hmm. from a storytelling point of view. I mean, I was expecting something, uh, I guess, uh, slower paced. You know, more of a more more methodical in his pacing because that's what he does in the you know in in his non giant robot. Hellboy movies. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, I, I expected. But, yeah, just something with, with the story. I mean, you know, it just didn't quite work. Um, and I can't blame that on the marketing because I I didn't know much about it other than, sure. you know, it's, okay, it's a horror. It's supposed to be a Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro horror with Tom Hiddleston. That's what I knew going in. So <laughs> Sure. <laughs> And uh, what about you, Paul? Uh, your final thoughts, impressions with this? Recommend it? Uh, uh, first thing is I, I'd like to mention that I loved the costuming in this film. I don't get to mm-hmm. say that very much. Uh, so I, I, I just want to put that out uh, for everyone. If, if you're interested in seeing period-type movies with costumes, this is a really good one, in, in my opinion. Well, it felt very accurate. Mm-hmm. In the period costuming, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I honestly see an Academy Award nomination for production design mm-hmm. in the future for Crimson Peak. <laughs> um, uh, you almost said tie, didn't you? <laughs> no, I, I didn't say tie. I thought it. I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, but uh, overall, I, I actually did like the story because of its uh, comfortableness, and it, it really did feel like an Edgar Allan Poe story to me. Um, and uh, it wasn't as entertaining as I wanted it to be, unfortunately, but it was very well executed. Uh, I would see this movie again, but uh, now that having seen it at the theater, I would uh, only probably watch it on online streaming or on video. All right, and uh, yeah, I I agree with Glenn that something with the story, it almost felt rushed. It felt like they were trying to almost do too much, <laughs> and then and then they put these little elements in here to get to the, you know. I almost wish it would have picked up uh, somewhere in the in the middle, and they taken a longer time to explore things. For me, uh, you know, I I agree. It, it, visually stunning. I'm a visual guy. Love the visuals. The whole red clay against the white snow thing and. You know, there's some really fantastic visual entertainment going on in here, uh, and performances fantastic, especially Jessica Chastain. Uh, I think she really sells that character and was a surprise standout for me in this for the type of role she was in. 
she really got into it and seemed to really immerse herself in it, so kudos to her there. Story was basic, uh, and I, I left the theater thinking it looked really pretty, and it, it was entertained. I didn't feel like I wasted money or time, but it definitely wasn't the movie that was kind of promised in the marketing for me, which is the, you know what kind of caught my eye is the way they were playing it up. Uh, I almost wish they would have left even more ghost stuff out of it, and you know, and and just done creepy house type thing rather than actually showing the ghosts. I almost wish we hadn't seen more of the ghosts. <laughs> uh, you know, leave it just just the creepy house. Uh, so. There you have it, folks. Crimson Peak here in the spoiler room. Uh, it's it's an all right film. It, it's visually stunning. The story's simplistic, but if you like Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, or uh, Guillermo's visual styles, you probably, I'd say early show, a matinee price or a $5 Tuesday price on the big screen just for the visuals, but uh, you see it once, and then, uh, yeah, it won't be repeat viewings. It'll probably be when it comes out on rentals. So, mm-hmm. uh I want to thank Glenn and Paul for on this uh, discussion on Crimson Peak. I just kind of wanted to talk about it because it was an anticipated film for me, and when I came out, it was a different film than what I expected. So, uh, But why don't we go real quick, Glenn? Where can we find you? You can find me on YouTube, the BBB Bunker at Naked Hole Productions, on Facebook at also BBB Bunker or Naked Hole Productions, and the best way is just follow me on Twitter at Naked Hobo. Awesome, and you're also on uh, Galactic Netcast, correct? The oh, yes, you're also on Gia Netcast and the film Jerks and Astro Radio Z, and I'm all over the place. He's He is everywhere you want to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, go ahead. Where I can see we, you when you sleep. Uh, I can just find <laughs> Great, I'm not going to go to sleep now. That's, that's great. Uh, I can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and WordPress at Forsaken Film Reviews. Fantastic. And of course, if you haven't been paying attention at all, uh, specialmarkproductions.com is where you can find links for their stuff, as well as my stuff and archive for the Spoiler Room. You can follow the Spoiler Room at Spoiler Room PDCS, uh, short for podcast, on Twitter. So that's at Spoiler Room PDCS. You want to email us, email us at spoilerroom.smp at gmail.com. Get in contact with us. There's a film you want us to talk about. Subject you want to talk about, we are open to suggestions and not above bribery. So, with that, I want to thank you gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and it piqued your interest on Crimson Peak, not Crimson Tide. That's a whole other film, which we may talk about another time if we ever talk about submarine films. So... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening, and as always in the spoiler room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.